Welcome to Lighting Our Way, a podcast of Uganda Christian University's Standard Newspaper. Here, we hear stories of self-reflection, removing the log in our eyes so that we may see the light and transform our world. Good evening here in Uganda and good morning in Arizona, the United States of America and the rest of the world. I am Krishana Amperi, your host. Joining us today is a Ugandan human rights journalist and media trainer, Mr. Johnson Mayamba, who is now at the Arizona State University. Mr. Mayamba wrote a research article titled Low Supply and Public Mistrust Hinder COVID-19 Vaccine Rollout in Africa, an interesting and controversial topic at hand amidst the COVID-19 pandemic. He's here to explain all this to us. You are welcome, Mr. Mayamba. Thank you so much, Christian, for having me. Christiana, yes. sorry. We are glad to have you here on the show. How is it going in Arizona? I can say right now uh, it's um, a warm weather. I'm enjoying the, the time I'm spending here learning and uh, connecting to the rest of the world. Uh, we, are, we are 14 of us from 13 countries, specifically focusing on journalism, uh, training in major in leadership and uh, management skills and I'm um, having my the best of my time I can say it's a it's a great time here well as a master's graduate Johnson former UCU alumnus and now a media trainer what advice do you give to upcoming journalists to uplift their status one thing I'll say is that uh, not everything is taught in class in class you you, you learn like 50 percent but the remaining 50, you have to learn it out of class. How I managed to reach where I am is because I was very ambitious because of my background. I knew I had to, to fend for myself. I had to, like, I have no connections. I had no connections and I knew I was on my own. So I had, I took every opportunity that I got seriously. As new, as young journalists that are, getting out from a graduate school uh, that are graduating into this field is very challenging. It calls for perseverance. It calls for resilience. Sometimes you write a story and like you've spent an entire day in a field, you take your story to an editor and then I will tell you what, what you've done is trash. How do, you, how do you adapt to that? How do you how do you take in such a message that you've given your all your best, but then it's not appreciated? How do you wake up the following day and go back to the field and bring in another story? Well, based on your article, Low Supply and Public Mistrust Hinder COVID-19 Vaccine Rollout in Africa, you cited out hesitance towards receiving the vaccine because of different reasons, such as public lack of confidence in official authorities and also mistreatment of marginalized communities, among others. Can you explain further? I think uh, the reason I came up with that article is uh, because uh, when um, I graduated uh, from, um, like from my master's, I got an placement to do media training with journalists, especially with the issue of fighting um, misinformation around COVID-19. And one of the, 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 the effects of misinformation uh, was uh, the effect of, was, was the, the result of misinformation was the vaccine hesitancy. Uh, because people were not receiving the right information and um, we're not being informed right on what to do and what to expect with the pandemic. 
we realized that many of them were taking things that weren't really medically recommended. Some of them were believing myths that were not really existent, and that has really affected the way uh, the vaccine rollout has been. Uh, but also, going back to the historical um, tests that were done, say, during the colonial period that resulted into massive um, death and uh, health effects on the African continent, and those mistrusts still continue to this very day. Another thing that came in during the time of vaccination was um, when the, the, there was that publication of um, an article in the Daily Monitor that about eight, eight, eight of them, was it 80 or 800? 800. Eight, eight of, yeah. 800 of them had been vaccinated with something that water. was yes. yeah. <laughs> So that in a way still exhibited the hesitancy, not only in Uganda, but it is also seen across the African continent. So my, my intention of writing a such an article was to let the authorities know that this is something that is still existent among us, the hesitancy, and these authorities need to fight uh, issues that uh, surround this hesitancy, uh, especially with the misinformation, with the myths that surround the vaccines, and also the mistrust that uh, still exists, that, uh, that is still existent with, with especially to do with the effects of uh, the, the research that is done, especially when the information is not well conveyed to the people that expect to receive these vaccines, and the, the side effects that are, that are concerned with uh, such um, vaccines. Once the information is not well communicated, the hesitancy will not go away. So I felt I need to pass on this information to the authorities, and but also to those that are conducting scientific research that taking lessons from the history that we've gone through as Africans, there's need to do better, especially when we are conducting research to do with the vaccines that, um, that we are rolling out to the population. And that mm -hmm. we need to do more than just conducting vaccines, but we need to also keep the information open and also let the people make the rightful decision based on the correct information that has been given to them. That's the way to fight um, the vaccine that is still currently um, being faced in the African continent. What is the case elsewhere outside Africa? Well, Africa still has a vaccine hesitancy. It's not the, it's not the only isolated continent. Uh, we've seen the same in Latin America. Uh, we've seen the same with the uh, Asian Pacific areas. But also in these developed countries, like where I am currently in America, there are those who have not yet taken the vaccines, even when they are readily available. You would expect that being America the way it is, things are way better than they are in the African continent. But still, we have those that are fighting, especially uh, the, like recently there were groups that were moving on the streets saying uh, the vaccine is the sign of the beast and that uh, people should not receive uh, those vaccines because they are being marked by the devil. And so those are still challenges that are being faced not only in Africa, but also in these developed parts of the world. We are seeing uh, still a number of people not taking the vaccines. If it, when you see, when we sit, say, on that, to watch the news on, on television, you see the anchors and all those that are concerned with informing the public pushing people, they are fighting the misinformation.
Drawing from the positive experiences of those parts you talked about, how can Africa, specifically Uganda, where you come from, make use of the, of those positive lessons and interventions? Uh, first, uh, that I'm doing one of the things that I'm doing as a journalist uh, and a media trainer is that I've mobilized uh, several journalists in different media houses, and we are training them on how to report about the pandemic. One of the things that we are doing is that I'm I'm passing on with my other colleagues that we're working on this project is to give the right the journalists the right information and tell them how to convey it so that the misinformation is fought and the, that and that people are well informed to make the rightful decision, not just because uh, based on the assumptions that they have. So one of them is uh, having the right information that is conveyed to the public and that we are doing it as a, a group of us as journalists. It's not yet enough, but we are still doing it because that is what we've seen here, that the journalists do their right job. They do their research and then bring the information that is necessary uh, to, the, to the people. Another thing that uh, the, the African or the Ugandan government can pick a leaf from they should uh, be open enough with the information. Where there are mistakes, they should be ready to apologize the way it is done here. Let them, let, like the way it happened with the article that came out of the fake vaccine that were injected. So like winning the public trust and also fighting the misinformation that is there. Those are like the two main areas that the authorities and also us as journalists can do to fight vaccine hesitancy. You are a media personality. The media in itself has been an obstacle, especially the social media arm. Do you have any comment on this? I agree that uh, the, the emergence of social media has caused a lot of disruption in the way information is uh, uh, conveyed and received by the, those that receive it. As a journalist, I, I know um, this is a like having many avenues of communication and having the freedom to communicate, especially as a human rights journalist, is a, it's a positive, it's a positive uh, for, for us in terms of freedom of expression, but also that comes with responsibility. Uh, as journalists, we need to take care on what we share and what we, like, what we share with especially those that follow us because we are the custodians of uh, information we are the custodians of information so the challenge that is there is that uh, people ev everyone now is a journalist i don't believe that that everyone is a journalist because they say that there's what they call citizen journalism how we proceed as journalists we must uh, verify the information that we convey to the we might before we share any information to the audiences there should be verification. We must get back to the basics of journalism, things such as uh, uh, fact-checking, uh, ensuring that the information is accurate, that is, uh, is fair enough and is balanced. So it's about getting back to the basics of journalism as a journalist. That's what I can say and um, commend, recommend to the rest of the journalists. Yes, this is not going away, it's, it's the more the the more we go uh, ahead, the more it's becoming more complicated in terms of um, verification and 
uh, ensuring that the right information is conveyed out there. But as journalists, we sit, we should get back to the basics of journalism that we picked from the journalism schools. We should not take, we should not be moved by or swayed by what the rest of the world is saying as citizen journalists because we are different from them. How has the USA <coughs> managed to ensure efficient vaccine rollout with low hesitancy cases as compared to Africa? The challenge that we are, that we are still facing, especially as African blood voting countries, is that we have low supply of the vaccines. That is like those are the two challenges I put forward in that article. The advantage that these countries have here is that they are the manufacturers of these vaccines and they are always like on like they are they are they are massive campaigns in terms of uh, vaccination. There are incentives that have been put out there. Like when 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 I had just arrived here, I wasn't yet vaccinated, but we are being promised that you're going to get the vaccination. Mm. How was it done? There are many, there are many options of you getting the vaccination. Even when you just walk through, when you just walk into a mall, there's a, there is actually an area where you can be directed to get the vaccine. Yes. Accessibility is key. Mm. And, and also information is key. How can the media today try to contain misinformation so that people are convinced that there are no ill motives in regards to taking these vaccines? Yes, um, media play an important role in, in, as we all know, information, informing and educating the public. Uh, first, they have to do their verification of the information, ensuring that what is conveyed is accurate and it's not uh, distorting the facts of, uh, of what is intended to be communicated. But also with the researchers uh, uh, and, and, and the authorities need to, to be timely in their communication and also be open enough in the way they communicate this information. Uh, they should not hide uh, what could be like the side effects, the way it was done in the, in, in, during the colonial period. What is causing fears and, and hesitancies are that uh, uh, colonial legacies of um, effects and uh, mistreatment that occurred during uh, the research that was being done. So if that has uh, to be fought, if Christians has to be fought, the authorities need to come clear, be open enough in their communication and be timely in what they communicate. If they say something that is not right with their research, they should be able, they should be honest enough to withdraw uh, or to pause the research as they find uh, proper ways of addressing uh, any issues that are related to their research before they can proceed. So open communication and also timely communication is important, both on the side of researchers and government, but also how it's communicated through the media is also key. Some political circles have defined news as the art of deceiving your enemies while not quite deceiving your friends. In other words, news is propaganda. Now, how can propaganda be best tackled in today's highly charged political atmosphere, yet audiences need news to guide them towards the truth? It's a mandate to go back and do the verification that we need to do to, to bring forward the information that is verified, that is accurate, that is, uh, is not misleading and or distorting the facts of, uh, of the day of or of the situation that is uh, prevailing. So 
to fight the propaganda is uh, as the media houses and as journalists is to do our job getting back to the best to the basics and ethical code of conduct another disturbing factor standing in the way of quality news content in africa is the remuneration and motivation of media workers to do an impartial and objective job as required by the news industry what smart ideas can you upcoming journalists and media trainees take up to ensure that at least by 2030 more investments and government aid is invested in this field to improve its quality journalism is going through uh, serious changes especially with the advancement of technology that has enabled everyone to access news, say through their phones, or through social media, and that has affected, I can say mostly the print journalism, because they can no longer sell more, uh, as they can never no longer sell more newspapers they used to, as they used to previously. And that has affected the way news operations uh, happen in, in our newsrooms. Uh, the, the cost of uh, production has gone very high, yet their newsrooms are not getting enough from what they invest. Uh, one way to, to address such a situation, say what we, what um, I can say what we are doing, say with the document is to harness the, 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 the increase in internet penetration by, by, by way of having subscribers uh, for the news, especially with uh, with the whoever that is able to access a phone will be able uh, can easily access and uh, can subscribe to access the e-paper that also reduces say on the cost of production or uh, the number of copies that are produced but also as the newsrooms uh, they need to invest more in the content because right now everyone can produce content but what is making your content unique that will attract audiences back to your particular content. So one way to address such challenges is going into uh, deeper investigations of uh, news stories beyond the headlines, uh, bringing information that is relevant to the, to the audiences. That is the way you can retain the audiences, that you can attract and retain the audience. But for as long as they are not going the extra mile of doing their investigations and deep analysis of the story, everyday stories that everyone else is doing. The challenge of attracting and uh, retaining the audiences is going to still continue. What we see now is that there are many online media houses, but some of them just rush to publish stories just to win the clicks. Uh, to get more views on, on their websites, but some of those stories are not really accurate, they are not really uh, well written, they are not really uh, well done, well sourced. What will differentiate a particular media house from such uh, uh, many online media houses that are not doing the right job is getting back to the basics of journalism, of, of uh, uh, accuracy, uh, fairness, and um, having the right free information, but also going deeper into the stories apart from just what everybody is, is communicating. Journalists in Africa, especially here in Uganda, they face a lot of violence from the armed forces and police, most especially when it comes to election season. Different media organizations have come up to counter these problems, but still we have these tendencies frequently come up despite having laws meant to protect them. 
How best can we counter these problems and make sure that we have stronger implemented policies against these tendencies? Thank you for that question. Uh, I agree that journalists uh, attacks, especially the attacks get heightened in, term, in, in times of uh, critical debates and also times of elections. One of the challenges that journalists still face when it comes to, pro to their protection is uh, not having enough support from the media houses that they work for. You find that uh, a journalist, because, because uh, there are so many and the number of them are private, or privately owned, there are many looking out at, get, at making money but not really paying attention to the safety of their journalists. How to address that is that um, we need to have um, a united voice from the media owners, starting from the newsrooms. I have been in the newsroom and um, I've been attacked before, but sometimes you report to your editor that um, you have been attacked and nothing much is done from the media house itself. That sends a message to the perpetrators that, yes, I am on my own. If my own media house cannot come out and stand and, and uh, make a strong voice or take an action against a perpetrator, that is self-signals to the perpetrator that these journalists are on their own and they have no protection. Another, another avenue that we can use uh, is having the united voice from the journalist fraternity itself. Yes, yes we have we have been we have been divided so much, especially from uh, the those that target us. Uh, they use us uh, because many of us are not really really fast, well facilitated and not well paid by our media houses. In a way, they use the money to influence some of those, some of our colleagues, and that affects the unity that we may we may have had, especially when it comes to the, those that are reported from the field, you find that you are pushing for a particular cause as journalists say, uh, fighting uh, brutality of journalists by the police officers, but you find that some of the journalists are in the armpits of the police officers that are beating you. Why? Because of the money and other favors that come with it. Another area is uh, having a strong uh, civil society voice, uh, that is through partnerships uh, with other human rights defenders that, uh, that advance uh, not only uh, freedom of expression and uh, press freedom and all other rights that are associated with uh, expression, but also with other civil society organizations that are dealing, that are dealing with other issues. Having partnerships with them can increase the the solidarity that we, we need as parties to fight back and push back against uh, these uh, attacks from the perpetrators. Another area that we can use is through um, going through litigation using the, 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 the courts. Uh, currently, we have so many laws that are in existence, and it's through those laws that these perpetrators take advantage of. We find that um, Say the Penal Code Act that has many sections that are against uh, the way we do our work, especially say uh, section uh, 170, 180, section uh, 179, 
all those that talk about defamation libels, is, is, um, sectarianism, all those sections are used against uh, the media and um, excavate the attacks that are made by the perpetrators. So if we if we take through uh, the legal means and fight uh, these laws so that they are either overhauled or amended, that would be a great way to fight uh, uh, the, the attacks or to, to mitigate the attacks that are meted uh, against journalists. Thank you so much, Mr. Johnson Mayamba, for sparing your time to come and share with us. I mean, Christian Ampere and farewell. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you have been inspired by the wisdom of self-reflection. Please find us on www.standard.ucu.se.ug and share with others this message that lights our way.